everybody, welcome to Busy Living Summer. Um, today, here with Elizabeth Chance, also known as Busy Chance, and today we are sponsored by Soberlink. We need to talk about alcohol recovery in the workplace. Talking about sobriety and proving it to your employer can be so difficult, and our friends at Soberlink want to help. If you need a reliable way to present document, documented proof of sobriety to a boss, loved one, Soberlink can help. Soberlink is a high-tech portable breathalyzer system that uses facial recognition technology to verify identity, has unique sensors to ensure that no other air sources are being used, and sends results directly to your specified context so there is no questioning whether or not you took the test and whether or not you altered the reporting. This is why Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is considered the gold standard. Being in recovery from alcohol does not define the future of your career. Let Soberlink help. Learn more about Soberlink and request a $50 promo code by visiting www.soberlink.com BLS for busy living sober. And I want to thank Soberlink again for sponsoring us as always. They're so great. Thank you so much. I'm really, really, really excited today because um, not only is my guest been, I, I don't really even remember her not being in my life because I've known her my entire life, fourth grade. And we went to elementary school, um, junior high, high school, and college together. And the crazy, this is Barb. Welcome, Barb. Hi. Barb P. We're Barb gonna call P. her Barb P. Because um, of course, everybody likes her anonymity sometimes. And I love having guests that respect their own anonymity because I know a lot of listeners like to also respect their own anonymity. So it's a huge, huge thing, right? So with this, I want, so hi, welcome. Hi! hi. I know. Life is just so strange because we do have such a history of, of growing up in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And we were, we are childhood friends, and Elizabeth has known my whole family. She's known my brother, my sister, my parents. Um, I knew her parents because I used to sleep over at her house. Uh, her mother was always this very preppy lady who had those little Papagallo purses where you would change the cover. And, and then everyone got them, and it was so exciting. I mean, I remember little things like that that stick out, but you were always just this preppy, you know, beautiful person. And we... We lost touch a little bit after college because Elizabeth moved to Philadelphia and I went back to St. Louis after college and started my family there and Elizabeth started her family in Philadelphia. We reconnected when I was sober. I remember you came over with another friend from St. Louis for lunch one day at my old house and I was asking you about being sober. Like, how do you know? when you're an alcoholic, you know, how, how, how do you know? Because it was in my mind that I, I was drinking too much and I knew I was drinking too much. I also um, have depression and I've had it started out as postpartum with my children and then it kind of just stuck around and never left. And it's still here today and I, um, mental health is very important to me and taking care of my mental health is important. And if you need something for that, like I do, antidepressants, um, Please don't be afraid to do anything that will help you help yourself to live the kind of life you want to live. Um, so after that luncheon, it was just in my mind because you guys, you and our other friend were already like two years sober or whatever, I think. And then my sobriety date is January 29th, 2010. I'm one of the very lucky ones that I have a continuous sobriety in my life, but I don't take it for granted. Um, 
you know, I've always gone to at least three meetings a week. And on top of it, I go to a group therapy that started when I went to rehab out in California. I went to a women's program. And we would have, you know, aftercare back in St. Louis. And I met every week, every week. And then as most um, recovery centers they went out of business, but we kept going with our own meeting. We just kept it up, and we've kept that meeting going for probably eight or nine years at this point. And there's about eight women, and we're fairly consistent. Not everyone can come every week, but if we have four, we make it work. And that keeps me accountable. Um, I do like to share in meetings, but sometimes I don't want to overshare certain things. So having a small group of sober women that meets where we just let put our, you know, problems on the table, kind of sift through it a little bit and move on, that's helpful because I find that I relate most to moms, women, and the basically the day-to-day -day ongoing, you know, trying to be consistent with sobriety. I think COVID, or I know COVID, set me back because I'm not a good Zoom meeting person. And I've really gotten myself into a rut the past few years. And I feel like I'm still in the rut. But I am trying. You know, I, I'm, I'm willing to do some things to improve it. But I still have some roadblocks in the way, if that makes sense. Okay, for one, it's so amazing. Because she remembers. A lot of people remember their past and remember these dates. And I'm terrible. I do remember that. I do remember that lunch. And, um... Congratulations. I want to just say that on here because it's huge. It's huge because there's a lot of people and I don't want to point like demographic. It's very hard for some demographics to get sober, right? And we are from one of the, I, I think every demographic is hard, but ours has other challenges that other ones might not. And so you came into the program and you stayed and you've stayed for almost 12 years, right? It's going to be, be 13. It'll be 13. It'll be 13 years in January. Gosh, that's awesome. And um, you continue going to meetings. And you know the right um, recipe that works for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was thinking this morning, and I don't know where this came from, but this morning I was thinking, you know, having a program, there's so much shame. It's focused on the shame, right? And that's why Busy Living Sober even started is because of this shame. But it's kind of interesting because you do not live in AA. Would you say you live in AA? No. 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 Um, you live life. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you use the 12 steps, and I'm sorry I said AA because I shouldn't have said that for the anonymity piece. But what I can say is, is that when you have a 12-step program and you have a problem, and you're like, okay, I have a problem. I, I, I went to rehab and these 12 steps supposedly work. I'm going to try it out. But in so many ways, it gives us a blueprint to live life, right? It does. It does. And you having these eight women that you've been meeting with for almost 13 years, you have that you can trust, right? I have and I can trust. I, I, I have gone through the steps. I think I do not work this program the way everybody else works the program. I don't like to go back. So that as far as like making amends to somebody that I may have said something rude to or I don't remember or I spilled wine on their carpet or, you know, the friendships have just stopped. I don't give a shit. 
I don't go back. I don't want to mend those relationships. I'm certain they don't want to mend them with me. Um, you know, I, I did, I had a lot of yes at the end of my drinking. It hadn't happened yet. I didn't get the DUI. I didn't, you know, I deserved to probably every day for like six and a half years. Um, for me, my alcoholism, when I had my children, I had postpartum depression, but I didn't drink from the first time I found out I was pregnant with our daughter, who's now 23. I didn't drink for five years because I was sort of scared straight, not scared sober because I didn't really know what that was. I had always drank my entire life and I was always drunk, but I thought, number one, nobody else cared that I was drunk because they were drunk too. And my drinking didn't get in the way of my life. You know, I loved, never lost a job. I went to school, I, you know, went to graduate school, got another job, you know, got married. And then um, when my children were five, in two and a half, I started to drink, and I drank myself silly, silly, for six and a half years, and I was always a giant fan of Ambien and Xanax. Those were wonderful, too. So I was always in an altered state. No matter what it was, what time of day, morning, noon, or night, you know, I, I was never clean. You know, my whole person wasn't clean. And when you take other drugs and you take antidepressants and you drink, they don't work. It actually makes everything worse. So, um... When I finally was in the, you know, mental hospital where, you know, I went to the emergency room. My husband was like, what do you want me to do with you? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I should just go to the hospital. He's like, okay, let's go. And I, you know, went through triage and like, are you suicidal? I'm like, well, yes, aren't you? Like, look what I've done to myself and my life. You know, I walked in the emergency room and I threw up because I was so hungover. You know, I'm running to the trash can. And it was just, you know, my husband's on the phone with my therapist going, what should I do? And I don't even remember that therapist's name. Probably saw her for like a year, my last, you know, year of drinking. I couldn't tell you her name. I couldn't tell you where her office is. I, I, I honestly, it's a blackout. And I don't want to go back and figure that out either. I have no idea what I said to her every week in her office. Um, you know, I, I basically just went and I lied because my husband wanted me to go to therapy because he knew that something was really wrong with me and everything was falling apart. And he was done. You know, my husband was done. My husband is a great guy. He is a loyal guy. I love him more because he stuck by me and he helped me to get sober than I even loved him. You know, I just love him so much. He's, he's a very good person and I'm very lucky to have him. So then they, you know, put you in the little jacket and they put you in the ambulance and they drive you to the psych hospital, you know, and then, you know, they strip search you, right? I've never been strip searched, you know, I'm getting strip searched. I'm like, ugh, you know, and then I was in a room with like a plastic bed and a plastic curtain, there was no doors, right? There's no doors, and there. And I was with all these crazy people, and I'm like, what am I doing with all these crazy people? That person's like eating checkers, there's checker chips in this person's mouth. You know, like, I don't belong with these people. Well, it turned out I did belong with those people. But, but I was so, you know, this feeling of like entitled, and I was scared, and when I have fear, I become entitled. You know, because that fear makes me, you know, put up every wall and, you know, ignore everything that goes on around me. But the psychiatrist there was like, you know, you have alcoholism. You're an alcoholic. And I was just like, okay, I can work with this. I can work with this. And they're like, um, our recommendation is for you to go to rehab. And I said, well, I'll do, I will do anything, but let me tell you something. I'm not going to one of those shitty places because I don't do <laughs> shitty. So, so we have to figure this out. And that was entitlement to out of fear, but I will say that that I did. I went to a women's program on the beach in California with six women in the house, and they treated us like we were people. You know, the shame was already there. By that point, 
I felt like um, the woman from Game of Thrones, is it Cersei, Cersei, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who had to take that naked walk through the streets yeah. and everyone was pelting her with garbage and shame, shame, shame. That was me. I mean, that's all I could feel inside was this horrendous shame. And looking back, I'm like, if I could have just done that walk and put all that shame behind me at the end, because afterwards, you know, she went on and had this wonderful life. I still, to this day, carry so much shame about what a horrible mother I was to my children. And just, you know, not a good person. I mean, and so unhappy. You know, I was just, I was isolated. My kitchen was my bar. Um, you know, I drove my kids under the influence. I would go meet them, the school bus at the end of the day, and I would have wine in a cup, you know, get, meeting the kids, getting off the bus. I mean, it was, I was never clean. So, so rehab saved my life, and I was really glad when I actually realized I was an alcoholic because then I had an answer. And the answer was the 12 steps, staying in a program, going to meetings, being present, listening, and contributing. But I never did the steps perfectly because I never really went through. I mean, the amends I make are living amends, and those are really to my family and the people in my life. Um, but as far as going back to friends, I just, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, I, I am sort of a person that if you're out of my life, you're out of my life, and I really don't want to go revisit because it probably wasn't worth it to begin with because I was sick alcoholic. And what kind of friendships are those? They were, you know, they were my drinking buddies. The interesting thing in my life that's really the most interesting is that um, my best friend, she and I met when our daughters were in uh, nursery school, two and a half, and um, we were best friends. You know, we realized we had so much in common. We had the same birthday. We both loved to drink. Alcohol was just our companion, and we drank together. But we had fun too. Like every week we would take the kids to the park with a little picnic table and they would like run wild and we would drink, you know, like our three or four bottles of wine and, you know, call it a day. We would talk on the phone in the evenings because I had a husband who traveled all the time and sometimes her husband uh, was on call and just out too. And, you know, like my best advice I gave her that I thought was the smartest thing in the world was, you know what? You don't bathe your kids when you're drinking. And we were just like, oh. <gasps> It was enlightenment, you know, like that is so smart. You shouldn't bathe your kids when you're drinking. So like, just put them to bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they'll get showered or bathed another time. Um, and then I got sober and, you know, my best friend was like writing me letters in rehab and like sending me little care packages here and there. And um, a year later, she called me. I mean, I'd seen her after I got sober, but that first year of sobriety was really dedicated to going to A meetings, staying with people who were sober because it was too fresh. You know, my sobriety was too fresh. I couldn't risk a lot. So, like, I would talk to her on the phone all the time, but we wouldn't really do things together because she was still drinking. And I just didn't want to be around people who mm. drank like I drank, you know, because she drank like I drank. And she called a year later and she's like, you know, I, I think I have a problem with alcohol and I need help. Like, well, you should go to this rehab because that's the only thing that really helped me. And I didn't know, I hadn't had a sponsee at that time or anything like that. I didn't know what to do except for I was like, you need to go. This place is great. And her daughter was concerned about her. She was like, Mom, you know, are you sure about this place? And my girlfriend was like, well, Aunt Barb said it's not shitty because she doesn't do shitty. So I think I'll be okay. And then her daughter was like, okay, yeah, Aunt Barb's not going to do shitty. So so anyway, so she went, and I have to tell you, it has been the most 
blood blessing of a relationship I've had in my life because we both were in pain and didn't really know it and had to fight our way out of it. And now we have sobriety, which is better than ever. And we have such a history together that it's, it's super comfort. And I'm here with Elizabeth today here in um, Florida because I, I live, I have a place in Sarasota in the hurricane, hurricane Ian, and I needed to evacuate or get out. They were saying, so I called my girlfriend who lives in this part of Florida along with Elizabeth. And I'm like, wow, I think I need to go, but I need, I'm getting my hair done tomorrow. So maybe I'll leave after that. And can I come over maybe? Priorities, my, right? My, exactly. Priorities. <laughs> to this day, priorities. And my girlfriend was like, you need to get in the car tonight and come over. I'm like, no, we're not going to come over tonight. Everything's fine. So it's not supposed to start till like tomorrow night. And she's like, Bart, you're not getting your hair done. You're coming out here. I'm like, well, I'll call you in the morning. So she's calling me first thing in the morning. I hadn't even bothered calling her yet. She's like, Bart, you need to get in the car and drive over here. It's like a three and a half hour drive. I'm like, but I want to get my hair done because I have all this gray. And she's like, no. You're not getting your hair done. You're getting in the car and you're coming over here. So I got in my car and I came over her and I had my daughter with me because my daughter was visiting. And you know, that's what a friend does. I've been staying at her place here for a week um, because of the hurricane and it was like a no brainer. She was just like, I couldn't see that I needed help because I had never been in a hurricane before and I thought this is stupid. I, you know, I live in the Midwest, you know, I'm landlocked. There's no hurricanes. Like what, what are you people talking about? And I've been here for a week and I just now this morning found out I have power back in Sarasota. So I'm going to drive back to Sarasota this afternoon. So I'm calling Elizabeth. I'm like, I know you, we've been talking about doing your podcast. We need to do your podcast because I'm out of here. <laughs> I know. She's leaving. She's leaving and, right after And this. I'm getting my hair done. I'm going straight to get my hair colored because I have so much Priorities gray. again, Priorities. guys. And then I'm getting in my car and then I'm driving back to Sarasota. Well, for what, thank you again for doing this. And by the way, I have to throw something out there because everybody knows I hate social media because of the mental health that it causes for so many people. But because Barb's daughter, who's adorable, Elena, um, put a picture of the two of them on social media, I was like, oh my God, you're here? You're right up the street? And she's like, yes, I am. I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to get together, which has been a complete joy. And if it wasn't for social media, that wouldn't happen. All right, there's a couple things you talked about that I want to go back to um one thing is the shame because everybody knows like Soberlink. the reason why Soberlink sponsors busy living sober is because they have the same mission which i do which is changing the stigma that's associated with addiction we want to get rid of the shame so when you talked about the shame that you had and that cersei what a great analogy i love that because i if any of those game of thrones i know some people don't watch it but i've watched all of it and Cersei walking through those streets and getting everything thrown at her. I can totally relate to that feeling. Cause, and I feel like it's just inside of us, though. It's not everybody out there that we think is judging. Like, I thought everybody was judging me, but people mostly are only thinking about themselves, unfortunately or fortunately. That's just the way life is. But how do you feel about the shame today? Thir almost 13, we're literally on the cusp of 13 years almost into this. And how do you feel about shame today? I, I feel shame still about being a parent because our daughter, who we just talked about, who's 23, she remembers the most and she had the most trauma from drinking. I have a younger son who's will be 21 and he, he doesn't really remember. You know, he was eight years old when I got sober, so he doesn't really remember the horrible times. You know, my daughter used to ask me to quit drinking and I would yell at her and swear at her and hit her and... Um, really was horrible. I mean, I went to every function she had pretty much with a buzz on. You know, I didn't 
I didn't go to anything without drinking before I went anywhere. And she knew it. And she, when Elizabeth met, met her and we were having dinner, dinner and Marlena was talking about my crazy eyes. She's like, you had these, cra these crazy eyes. And that's what she remembers from her childhood is when I had the crazy eyes that she didn't want to be around me, which was all the time, you know? And then once I got sober and then the trauma of my drinking to her, she let loose on me. Um, and that lasted a really long time, years, years. And I, um, you know, but like she just left and I dropped her off at the airport. I was like, I love you so much. And she was like, I love you so much. And so, you know, we've grown in a way. It's a blessing that I have this disease of alcoholism and that I do know how to be sober. And, you know, the promises in sobriety, it took 12 years for my daughter and I to get truly back on track. I mean, this was the first time the two of us have been to, with each other with nobody else around for like nine days. It would never have happened. I'm on the, I'm on the phone at night, like in tears to my husband, going, I can't believe this is happening. It's such a blessing. And all the hurricane and the evacuation and all the other stuff that's happening around, you know, Florida, which is just horrendous for the, so many. Um, I have this amazing daughter who is on her own. She's working, she's living in a different city. And, you know, she's arrived, you know, within herself. And we have a real relationship now. And do you think that will propel you to etch away at some of that shame that you feel towards yourself and be like, you know what? I was, I, I was this certain person. I kind of said it to you the other night. I was like, cause you were starting to talk about something and I was like, that Barb left a long time ago. Why do we keep letting her come back in? Like she walked out the door 13 years ago almost and we keep bringing her back. But like, it's like putting her to bed because that's a huge, you know, it brings tears to my eyes all the time. So if I get weepy, you know, busy's getting weepy a lot lately. I have to tell you, I'm talking about myself. We're getting, person. We're getting older and I'm getting weepier. And um, it's like we were this person and we can get to this place where if we're sober, we get to forgive ourselves. And we get to get to that place where we're like, yeah, I, I have a disease. It is not what defines us. You know, it's a dis-ease within ourselves, within our souls that we're like, oh my gosh, I don't feel comfortable. At least I can speak for me and I'm going to circle back to you on this question. But, you know, I never was, I never knew who I was, right? I was always what everybody else wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. You go to this party and I'm that girl. And I go to that party and I hang with those people and I'm that people. And I'm comparing myself. I'm either better or I'm worse. And um, I didn't know, like... We didn't know when we were growing up and not our parents weren't good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't matter about the parents part. It was just how we felt inside of ourselves. It wasn't like we learned how to live. Mm -hmm. So walking around, it was like these feelings were so big. Mm -hmm. And feelings are not facts. Hmm. That's interesting. Like they're not true. Like these feelings, because my feelings change all the time. I mean, there were so many things that I'd say I'd never do. Like, who would have ever said that I would go to a 12-step meeting? I mean, back in the day, I would have been like, there's no fucking way. There's no way. There's no fucking way. I am dying with a cocktail in my hand. Um, you know, I'm going to VP ball till the day I die. Like, all these crazy things that we did. And I said I'd never do. And now I look back and I was like, I never even knew, like, what a real friend was. And what you just described with your friend that you have. Like, that's a real friendship. And we didn't even know what that was. Right. And it's so 
amazing that this journey that we're on, it's because life's a journey, right? Mm -hmm. And it's sobriety is such an amazing gift in that it doesn't matter those old people that weren't, because if they mattered, they'd still be in our life, mm -hmm. right? If they matter. People, and for so long, I judged myself. I don't know if you ever get like this. You're like, you judge yourself because you're like, oh, I haven't reached out to that person. I really should. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. People come, there's that old saying, people come in your life for a season and they leave for a reason. That's very, very, that's right. Right? <laughs> that just is right. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense. And it's like just starting to love ourselves. And figure out who we are. And figure and, out, yeah. And what, what we want to be. Who do I want to be? You know, what what do I want to be? You know, how do I want to interact with people in the world and my children and other people? I've learned in sobriety. Yeah. You know, I've learned what makes me feel good about myself. And hopefully anything that I share with other people in meeting or whatever helps them. Just like I learned so much from other people and listening in meetings and being present, that helps me. You know, because I, ca I carry around their sayings and their stories inside, and it helps me. And it helps you to be, because I'm lucky and blessed enough to be able to call you my friend, and I get to see your relationship, and I'm just, and I'm going to get teary, because um, I was able to see Barb. And we hadn't seen each other in, oh my God, maybe 30 years. I'm not dating myself, even though it's no. my birthday this week. It's so crazy. But anyway. I haven't, I haven't seen you since I was probably 20. You came to St. Louis once. After right. We were but I remember, that was like, kids. that was a blip. That didn't even count. Um, It was a blip. We saw each other, but it wasn't like this, like real. No, it wasn't real. real. Um, but I got to go over to Sarasota um, this past spring. And it was to see her with her dad and her brother. brother and I've known her brother my whole life too and because again we we grew up in this small town in, in St. Louis and just to see it was magical mm -hmm. and you know people are like well do people drink around you and your dad had cocktails your brother right yeah everybody I don't care <laughs> you know I don't care about anybody drinking around me I, I don't necessarily want to be with somebody who's drunk but even anybody who wasn't drinking doesn't necessarily want to be with somebody who's falling down drunk because that's irritating but I don't mind anybody else drinking and I learned that actually out in rehab when they were talking about alcohol and one of the counselors was like you know what you know Tom Mary and Jane they can drink because they're not an alcoholic you Barb you are an alcoholic and you can't drink but you can't have people not be who they are because of what you are and that I that you know once I gave up or once the desire and the craving and you know the disease was arrested I really am okay with alcohol um, being around and other people using it I would say like the first year of my sobriety I was very sensitive to it because I had so much fear one of the things that does keep me sober is the fear of relapse because the longer you are in AA and the longer you work a program you lose people you know I, I've been to funerals and it's awful and when I when somebody does pass away it just you know I realize I'm a lucky person I'm a very lucky person I have blessed I do have AA in my life and I need to keep working it because if I don't I'm not going to survive this disease 
And that's the truth. Because every person that I hear that's relapsed, nine out of ten times they stop participating in a program. And um, I and I've seen people with longer term sobriety, and it's definitely it doesn't get. E I don't think it gets like that much easier as much as it gets that you need it more because we get complacent, right? Mm -hmm. But I can see you using your tools that you've learned in AA in twelve step with your family, mm -hmm. so that you can live life. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't such a bad. You know, a bad gig, was it, having to get sober? No, it saved my life, and it gave me a life. You know, what I, I could have probably gone on drinking like that for my entire life, but I would have lost my children, I would have lost my husband, you know, I would have been alone with my alcohol. But I probably could have drank the rest of my life because I was, like, in this little protected bubble, you know? Like, if I didn't, or I shouldn't say the rest of my life, for many more years, but I wouldn't have my family. And I want to, um, I'm going to finish up with this. So I, um, yesterday I was talking to somebody and they were talking about how this person's really, really ill that they know and they're our age and, you know, their, their, their liver's shutting down. So they're dying of cirrhosis. And, um, you know, there's, they, the person was sober and relapsed, right? And the Zoom thing happened. And I really want to tell people out there, like, I understand Zoom is like, Zoom is scare, is hard, right? Zoom is hard. Going in person is hard. Everybody has a hard thing with all this. Mm -hmm. And what would you say to somebody out there that's listening and says, you know, all this stuff is so overwhelming. I hate the word alcoholic. I hate the word alcoholism. I hate this whole idea of this is who I am. But I am this person because I can relate so much to what you said, Barb. So I am just like you, Barb, and I'm listening to you. But what do I do? You go to an AA meeting. What if I don't want to? You just go. There's a lot of things you don't want to do in life. But the only way to save yourself if you really want to make a change is you have to go to AA. And once you go, and you can just go and cry the whole time in the meeting. I know a lot of people who went and drank the whole time in the meeting, like out of their like, coffee mugs. Um, but it will work if you let it work, but it's only going to work if you show up, you know, and you keep showing up and you keep coming back because it's always open. AA is there for anybody, anytime, no matter where they are in their life, no matter how drunk you are, just, you know, Uber there, <laughs> you know, get yourself in the seat. And you go and you don't bring it all home with you, do you? No. No. Every time I go to a meeting, I leave feeling lighter. You feel lighter, but then you don't bring everybody home. with Like, you don't have a billion friends in AA. No, I do not. I don't have a billion friends, period. I, I have a very, I keep my circle really tight um, because if you're in my circle, I will do anything for you. And I know that those people that are in my little circle, which is really, really small. I mean, it's, it's under a handful. They'll do anything for me, too. And for me, that's the most important. It's, it's the quality over the quantity. Um, and that is my life. Really, that's my life. Quality over quantity. And it's amazing. You know? I feel so blessed that we have social media. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Busy just said that. Busy you said it. Busy, busy said, said it. that it was good for Instagram. And um, so thank you guys all for listening. Thanks for coming thank on. You. It thank was you. awesome. It was so awesome. You guys, if you can relate to Barb and you ever have any questions, you know, you can always reach out to me and I will forward them to yeah. her. Um, it's Elizabeth at ElizabethChance.com or you can also reach me, Busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at 
busy living sober. But, you know, you are not alone out there. I hope you heard something because I learned so much. I learned so much about you today in just this little 30-minute slippet that we had. But thanks so much. And anybody out there, please remember to reach out, pick up the phone, talk to your doctor before making any decisions because, you know, you. I, as I've mentioned on here many times, I've known people that have died from just quitting drinking. Um, so reach out. Um, know you're not alone. And um, keep getting busy living sober. Until next week, you guys take care. Bye.